Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Well, round two. Amen. You know, it's funny, I I told my church recently uh, in Portsmouth, I was like, hey, listen, you need to treat Sunday night like Sunday morning. And what I was telling them is that, look, you know how it is. Sunday morning we come in, we're, we're excited, and, and, you know, we're, we're up, amen, and, you know, we're, and then Sunday night we're like, okay, come on, bro, just, just, just get to it, right? And so I say, you know what, we need to have the same expectation on Sunday morning that we do Sunday night that we do Wednesday. How many know what I'm under, how many understand what I'm saying? That you know it should be the same expectation that you know what? Every time we gather, God can move. Uh, every time we gather that God can do something, that God can do a miracle in your life, that God can begin to reach your heart in places that you thought to, He could not reach. Can you say amen? And so listen, if, if you decide to go to sleep here, okay, we're gonna call you out by name and put you on the screen forever. So let's not do that. No, no we won't do that. This time we won't do it. Amen. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 11, God bless you. We're going to believe God again tonight, and I think God really helped us this morning, and so no doubt to believe in God to help us tonight. Tonight, I want to examine with you something that Jesus talked about. How many know that's good in church? Uh, Talk about what Jesus talked about, amen, and and that'll help you, amen. But tonight, uh, I want to look at prayer, and I know that we've heard... uh, things on prayer, and we've heard various sermons on prayer, Uh, but I just want to kind of go in that vein of the goal of prayer, Uh, because you'll hear it, hey, you need to pray, hey, you need to cry out to God, you need to believe God, but what's the ultimate goal of prayer? Like, why should we pray, right? And so how many know, when you know why you do something, you'll do it longer? And when you don't know why you do something, or you don't know what the point of it is, how many know there's a great chance that you won't do it as long, or you won't keep up with it? But when you know why I should do this, when you understand why should I read my Bible, why should I come to church, why should I pray, when you begin to understand those things, I mean, no, you begin to indulge in them and do them because you understand the significance of that. So my goal this evening is to bring you to the principle of why we should pray. And it may not be why you think. So let's read our text, Luke chapter 11. We're going to read verses 9 through 13 tonight. So Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13, the Bible tells us this. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Verse 11, if a son asks for bread from any, uh, from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? 
Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Verse 13, our last verse. If then, uh, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? Amen. The goal of prayer tonight, church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this gathering, God, to be able to worship in your house. We give you all the praise and glory tonight. And so I pray, God, give us understanding through your Holy Spirit. Help us tonight and let us become men and women of prayer, God. Give us understanding of this wonderful principle that gives us access to your throne. We thank you. And in the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. Hallelujah. The goal of prayer tonight, amen. The goal of prayer. So let's look firstly at what happens. As we leave chapter 10, amen, going into chapter 11, we come across the model prayer. And the disciples ask Jesus a question that we should all ask in verse in uh, Luke 11, 1. They, uh, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Teach us to pray. Amen. In other words, they are not asking for just some words, but they are asking for understanding of how to reach God and what the aim of prayer is. So I want you to understand something tonight, that when they were asking, they were saying, look, God, we want you to teach us how to do this, not so we can have the right words, but so that we can have the right aim and purpose. You still, you still, everybody still with me? Okay. All right. I'm not losing anybody tonight. All right, so if you're lost, but like, hey, Pastor, I'm lost. Just, just give me, just give me one of these, and I'll okay. You're lost. Here we go, and I'll go back over it. I don't want to lose you tonight. But Jesus answers their questions with the model prayer. He gives them a format. So I want you to understand that the model prayer is not to be said verbatim necessarily. It's not that you say that prayer and that's how you pray, but he was showing them a format, amen. He was showing them how to organize your prayer life. So in other words, when we first begin to pray, how many know the temptation is to first say, God, this is what I need. Uh, God, can you get this to me? Lord, you know, my car got low on gas. If you could just somehow give me free gas on the side of the road in some instance right now before I get to work, or I'm not going to be able to get to work. <laughs> Right. What he is saying is that, no, no, no. First and foremost, give honor to God. Our father, thou art in heaven. First, give honor to God. First, give God thanksgiving. First, recognize who you're praying to. Amen. And so he is telling them formatedly, this is how you ought to begin, and this is how you ought to end your prayer. So, again, it is not that we're saying it verbatim. It's that it's a format. Hence, model prayer. So he goes from how to organize your prayer. He then goes into now talking about persistence and continuance through this chapter. And now we go from model to mindset. Persistence is a made-up mind. So when you're persistent in something, you've made your mind up, this is what I'm going to do. So this is all within chapter 11. So in prayer, we must have a made-up mind that Jesus hears us. Can you say amen? You must make up your mind that the Lord of King, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, hears your prayer. That as you lift your voice, amen, that it is going to the throne room of God and that Jesus is receiving it and interceding on your behalf based upon what you are asking. 
that Jesus does deliver if I pray. Somebody say amen. So now with all that being said, we now come into our main text in which Jesus gives us tremendous insight into now the very essence of prayer. He's given us a format. He showed us what we should have. And now we're getting the foundation of what prayer really is. Our text says, so to you I say ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and him who knocks it will be open. Three truths about a prayer life right now. Number one, you got to ask. Here Jesus deals with speaking and thinking. A lot of times what I've seen in the prayer room is that people are quiet and I'll sometimes ask them, hey, listen, are you praying? You know, I'm not trying to be all evasive in your business, but I thought you were asleep. But then, no, I'm thinking it. Well, no, no, well, the Bible says to ask. And so this is a voicing of sort. Amen. So this is a thinking about what you want or thinking about what to pray for and then voicing it. Amen. To the Lord. See, thought always formulates prayer. You have to think in order to pray. I know this is so basic, isn't it? But it's true. You have to think. Amen. So I've heard that, you know, oh, we got to clear our minds. No, no, no. The Bible doesn't say it. The Bible says think. The Bible says, think about what you are praying for, amen, analyze it, and begin to verbalize that very thought. Psalms 5 and 2, give heed, uh, give heed to the voice of my cry. Listen to what he says. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for I will pray to you my voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning, I will direct it to you and I will look, uh, and I will look up. And so prayer is to be verbalized and just for an interjection for free, you should be praying in the morning. He says in the morning, I will lift my voice. So the very first thing that you should do after you brush your teeth, preferably, <laughs> is go ahead and begin to seek the face of God, amen, pray for the day, amen, pray for protection, pray for covering, amen, voice those things, voice those fears and those worries that you have unto God. Can you say amen? So prayer is to be verbalized throughout the Bible read of people lifting their voices or the the words crying out, amen. Prayer is not meditation, now, you can meditate and think about things, but prayer to be, is to be verbalized. Number two, he says, seek. So now we go from voice to vision. A willingness to see. Prayer has a spiritual eye, an eye that goes beyond the natural. Look at what Jesus, uh, look at Jesus' prayer, uh, John 17 and 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. And so here is the voice. He looks to heaven, vision, amen. See, being able to uh, go to the Father, but not being able to see the Father in a sense. This word seek means to look, but in the Hebrew, it would mean to worship God. So what we have here is Jesus telling you and I that in prayer, it is to seek God, not to just seek God for your need. Did you catch that? That it is to seek God, not just when you have a need. Amen. In other words, yes, you can pray for needs. Absolutely. The Bible commands us to pray for needs. Amen. But the Bible is talking about prayer here. He is saying, look, seek the face of God. In other words, seek direction. See, I just lost some of you. Okay. Okay. 
or slow down. In other words, listen to me, your prayer life should not consist of just asking for new everything. But it should be, God, what do you want me to do today? God, who do you want me to speak to? God, how do you want me to use this life that you have blessed me with? God, what is it that you want me to fulfill for your kingdom today? To seek God is to be able to worship him and adore him. Matthew 6.30, now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which, to, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these, these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first what? The kingdom of God. Listen to what Jesus is saying. He's like, look, I know what you need, and there's no problem in crying out for that. But first seek God. First seek the kingdom. First seek in serving. First seek in doing something for his namesake. Can you say amen? He says, when you seek the kingdom of God, it is in there that if you seek the kingdom of God first, then all those other things shall follow. Amen. That if I serve God with everything in me first, if I give him my all, that he will supply the need. Amen. That he will make a way. Somebody say amen tonight. Do you believe that? That if I seek him first. In prayer, and if I believe him first, and I go after him first, instead of trying to figure it all out, that these things shall be added and these things will work themselves out. Number three. He says, knock. How many know when you knock, you face opposition? If you ever knocked on the door, the problem is the door is closed. And you want the door to be open. It's an opposition. It's a barrier. Can you say amen? Facing opposition to closed doors, amen, that can be opened. You are going to have to be able to break through. Many a times it starts in prayer. Can you say amen? In seeking Jesus, prayer will be the knocking on doors that at first glance are closed off to you. Amen. It is when that you have issues and problems mentally that you are knocking and saying, God, I need your help. God, I need clarity. God, I need this doubt to leave. God, I need more faith. You are knocking. And what is happening is that door that once looked closed now can be opened through prayer. And so when he says those who knock, he is saying that those who are facing opposition, those who seek doors closed in their life you keep knocking and the door will be opened that's what he's telling them if you remember the parable before this one Jesus talked about knocking and that friend would finally open the door see seeking Jesus can be like this can you say amen when you're knocking on the door of joy because you have none somebody said come on somebody Knocking on the door of deliverance, amen. Knocking on the door of spiritual gifts even. And yes, you will be faced with opposition at times. But he says, continue to knock. See, you knock on the door of the loved one's hearts and family members to get saved, amen. He says, keep on knocking because your knocking may lead to open hearts in salvation freedoms. To knock is to disturb It is to shake things up. Can you say amen? And so doors that were once closed can now be open to you and I from knocking through prayer. You know, lately I've been dealing with supernatural things in our church, and I told my church, listen, 
Believe God for supernatural gifts, man. Knock. See what God will bless you with. See what will happen. Could it be that doors are closed to us because we haven't been knocking in a while? You know, I do maintenance um, for apartment complex. And the very first thing I was ever taught before I got a tool, before I fixed anything, was that you better knock hard and you better knock three times. And at first, I'm like, well, I mean, when you knock on my door, it echoes through my house. So when I hear it, I know somebody's at my door. But then one day, because you know how we are, we think we know everything. And so one day I go to the house, I'm like, you better answer the door. That was a, you know, hey. Nobody answered. I go in. All of a sudden, somebody's looking at me like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I, 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 well, I'm here. You know, I forgot what I, I'm here to fix something. <laughs> but the problem was, amen, I didn't knock long enough. I didn't knock hard enough. And so, you know what? The person was startled and it got me thinking about this sermon. You know what? A lot of times we'll just pray for something once. We'll just fast once. Somebody say amen. We'll just, you know, we'll just kind of throw it out there and just kind of go whatever. But you know what? He says you got to keep knocking. You got to disturb some stuff. So three things he gives us that have to be within your prayer life. So let's look secondly at no counterfeits. In Luke of our main text, Luke chapter 11, verse uh, 11, uh, Luke 11, verse 11, the Bible tells us this. If a son ask for bread from uh, any father among you, will he give him a stone? And if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Jesus now moves the conversation to relationship. He starts with fathers, amen, showing that no loving father would ever give evil for good. That if you reach out to the Father, that he will not give you the opposite of what you ask for. In other words, amen, that he will not give you something evil when you're asking for something good. Can you say amen? So Jesus, as we pray to him, will not give us the opposite of what we pray for. And he begins to give those examples. Now, let me inject something real quick. When you pray for good things and seem to get the opposite, can I make the case that before you go, can receive things, that Jesus will deal with the issues of your heart and mind before releasing? In other words, amen, you know, we heard uh, a person here was praying for patience. Now. That's what we call dangerous prayers. But listen to me carefully. In dealing and asking God for patience, she may see or he may see, whoever it may be, they may see things happen that don't look or don't begin to resemble patience. But, amen, it is beginning to build patience within them. So I want you to understand something tonight, that the things that you ask for, you begin to receive. You're like, man, this isn't what I asked for. No, no, no. It's leading up to what you're asking for. If you're saying, God, help me to be a witness for people, amen, God may send you people that are really hard to witness to. And in that, you still have to deal with them. But how many know you begin to learn how to deal with people? You begin to learn how to be gracious. You learn how to be a serpent and be a dove. You learn how to strike and you learn how to back up. You understand what I'm saying? 
that you learn these things. Why? Through the things that we go through, the way that we learn, all the parents in here understand is the way that we learn how to be a parent is by dealing with these things. That we can't figure out what they are until they leave the house. So in the midst of that, we begin to learn. So I want to make the case to you tonight that the things that you're praying for, you're like, well, I'm getting the opposite. No, no, no. You might be getting the very things that prepare you for what you're praying for. You know, I had a guy in my church. He was praying. <laughs> and I don't, and let me make this clear. I don't listen to people when they pray. Like when we, I don't, I, I don't, you know what? I don't even want to know. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, just keep it, you know, just pray. I don't want to know because then. I don't want to know. You know, whatever you need God to do for you, let him do for you. Bless you. Bless the Lord. And so, but there was one, he was sitting right next to me, man. And you know how, and he's a loud prayer too. And I'm like, okay, like, you know what, I, I can't block this out. And I'm praying, he's like, I'll pray for a wife. And I looked at him, I say, now look, God will prepare you for a wife. And I kid you not, a week later. All these financial issues and, and all these things. He's like, Pastor, what happened? I said, you remember? You don't remember? <laughs> this may happen when you get married. How do you handle it? If you can't handle it by yourself, you ain't going to be able to handle it with her. You're going to freak out. you freaking out now, you're going to freak out with her. You're going to have her freaked out. Then what? Because I'm not talking to you. <laughs> Leave me alone. You pray for this, not me. So I want you to get the point tonight that, listen, that there are times, amen, that, yes, as you are praying for things, that God prepares you for the thing that you're praying for. Are we clear on that? All right. That's one of, I told you I ain't losing nobody tonight. So what is interesting, though, about these examples that Jesus gives us is they could look alike. Now, now follow me. I know. You're like, what? Just, just hear me out before you start judging me. In other words, you know, stones can look like bread. I've seen it. Like marble bread can look like a stone. I had pic- I should have brought the I forgot to bring the picture. And as I was thinking about this, I was like, you know what? These things can look alike. That bread back in those days could look like, amen, a stone. And so when you would bite into it, you know, it's a stone. You're like, man, this ain't no bread. Break your tooth and all types of stuff. So I believe that Jesus is talking more about just opposites, though. Looking at this, you begin to see that bread can look like a stone. And depending on the serpent, can look like a fish. Because an eel can look like a snake. But an eel is not a snake. All right, now we got, okay, now you're with me. All right, there we go. See, an eel is a fish by Bible standards. Everything was a fish. Whale's a fish. So what I think Jesus is getting here is that when you pray, It will not be confused. What Jesus is giving you, it will be clearly identified. Amen. That it will not look like bread, but be a stone. That if you're asking for bread, that's what he's going to give you. That we don't have to to worry about Jesus giving us counterfeits. Something that looks like it's good, but it's really not. Even looking at the egg and the scorpion, because this used to always mess with me. Why would he say it? I mean... An egg and a scorpion. But in that sea, in that time, amen, and in that area, they have these things called white scorpions. And wouldn't you know it that these white scorpions resemble in the egg form resemble an egg? 
And so what he was trying to get them to understand is that I'm not going to give you something that looks good for you, but is actually poisonous. I'm not going to give you something that looks good for you, but it's actually going to be, uh, it's actually going to malnourish you. But everything that the Father gives us is good for us. See, God promise, God's promises are not counterfeit. They don't look like one thing and then there's something else. They don't look like one thing and then they end up being another. The Father doesn't operate in this manner. 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us, amen. All his promises are yes, a, amen. In other words, how many know yes and amen, amen, they are yes and amen. They are not no and don't. They are clearly defined. And so I want you to understand that in prayer, amen, when you pray for things and God bless, it is clearly defined. You will not have to be like, well, is this, is this, it's going to be clearly defined for you. He does not give counterfeits. You do not have to worry about asking for good and get evil from our Savior. Can you say amen? So then the question has to be, what is the goal of prayer then? Luke eleven thirteen. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So as we conclude, Jesus makes a profound statement to end his dissertation on prayer. That prayer is not about gaining a need, but gaining the Holy Spirit. That prayer is not just about getting things and getting needs and getting materials. But what he says is like, listen, you do all these things and I'll give you more of me. Y'all see, see, there we see, there we go. There y'all go again, not talking to me. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I have said to you. So your prayer life should consist of you crying out for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit guides us. Can you say amen? The whole, can you say amen? We still believe that, right? Okay, you're scaring me. We believe that the Holy Spirit guides, don't we? We believe that the Holy Spirit directs. We believe that the Holy Spirit, amen, gives us a supernatural power called a dunamis, a power from on high, amen, to cast out devils, amen, to see deliverance, amen, to see the sick, uh, the sick healed and recovered. That's why we pray for the sick. That's why we believe God for things because we know that the Holy Ghost can do it. Can you say amen? And so when you have more of the Holy Ghost dwelling within your life, amen, it is there that you are comforted. It is there that you have vision, amen. It is there that the things of God come to remembrance to you. That's why when you're about to do something stupid, the Holy Ghost goes, ah, don't do that. That's what stops you. It is the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so in that power of the Holy Ghost, we begin to, or we are enabled, amen, to direct our prayers because the Holy Spirit definitely knows what we need. So our dependency is upon Christ, not material. In our main text, Jesus is telling you and I that we are to call for spiritual need. That we then can handle. <clears throat> that as we call for spiritual needs, amen. That in that we'll begin to see natural needs handled. 
when we have the Holy Spirit, it will translate into tangible things on earth that we can see. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Uh, Exodus chapter 31, verse 3 and 5. Maybe it'll help if I put my glasses on. <clears throat> and I have filled them with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting jewels for setting and carving wood to do the work in all manner of workmanship. They could only do these things through the spirit of God. Exodus just tells us that. He, God tells them, and I filled them with the spirit to be able to accomplish these things. And so in other words, you see it, an indwelling of the Holy Ghost, amen, comes out in a tangible way, amen. See, listen to me. The reason why I'm able to do my job the way I do it, I believe because of the Holy Ghost, because I didn't know how to fix anything. Didn't know nothing. And listen to me. I had to take tests, and I'm the worst test taker on earth. I fail every, I fail every test. Two plus two, eight. I mean, I know it any other time. <laughs> right, you know? I'm just a terrible test taker, but yet I'm taking tests for certification. I'm like, oh, Lord, I know no, not an answer on here. Help me. And all of a sudden, hey, you passed. I did? I mean, I did. I did. What is that? I, it's the Holy Spirit. That's why some of you here have jobs you are nowhere near qualified for. You didn't even want to put an application for it. Because you're like, I mean, my, I have a friend. You know, the Lord is funny. I have a friend. They don't do nothing. You know, they don't, I, like, what skill do you have? I don't know. You don't have nothing. Just don't, can't do nothing. Ah, you know. ADP in Norfolk has, has been doing a lot of hiring. So, <laughs> anybody need, needs a job in here, you can do stuff like paper push and stuff like that. They've, they've been hiring. And so I say, hey, why don't you know you have a little experience in the office? Why don't you try it? I don't know. I don't. Oh, try it. Let the Holy Ghost use you. You know, I'm. You know, I'm. Come on, the Holy Ghost is real. Holy Ghost makes things happen. So they began to pray, believe God, and all of a sudden, yeah, I got the job. How did? You? And the mom, how? I mean, yes, <laughs> right? But you know how it is. Like what? Oh yeah. Because <laughs> listen to me, the Holy Ghost does miracles. I'm telling you, in Exodus, I just read to you, he's filled them with the spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and knowledge. And from that, it bleeds out into tangible evidences. So think about it. In your prayer life, if you ask God for more of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost to saturate your life, think of how that could play out. Amen. God can give you a supernatural understanding. God can give you supernatural wisdom. Amen. And people start being drawn to you and say, you know what? I want you to be over this and I want you to do that. I mean, who knows the possibilities? Can you say amen of what, how God can use you? Because of the spirit that's in you. Another example is Psalms 51, 11 through 13. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your what? Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will treat, teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Look what David says. Don't take your spirit. Hold me up by thy spirit that I may do things for other people because without the spirit, it's impossible for me to do it. God don't, he said, look, forget a riches and forget a kingdom. Don't take the spirit from me. This is the goal of prayer. 
The goal of prayer is not to just get material things. The goal of prayer, amen, ultimately is not just to have more stuff. The goal of prayer is to get closer to Christ. The goal of prayer is to get closer to God, amen. The goal of prayer is to be having our lives saturated with the things of God. That is the goal of prayer. And yes, you can pray for things. And yes, you can ask for things. And yes, the Bible tells us to ask. The Bible says go to our Heavenly Father when we have need. Absolutely. But I just want you to get the idea here that that's not the only thing. Because oftentimes, more than not, we pray just for things. Let me ask you a question. I asked my church this and, you know, <laughs> all blank faces. I was like, well, praise the Lord. When was the last time you prayed for God to fill you with the Holy Ghost? Like, God, and this, just fill me with your spirit, God. You got something real crazy going on. You got to face something very difficult. When's the last time you said, God, just fill me with your spirit? Convicting, isn't it? Because we'd be like, hmm, God, 13 years ago, I think. <laughs> right? I think it was in the third grade. I forget. <laughs> I think I asked for his spirit in the fourth grade, I think. I had to give that speech. <laughs> But how many know that? That's the goal is to say, God, give me more of you. Because if I have more of you, then I can deal with this life. If I have more of you, then I can deal with this situation. If I have your wisdom and your power dwelling within me, I can get past this. Amen. I can see things happen if I have more of you. The old saying is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That as long as I have that. As long as I have Christ, can you say amen? Again, what Jesus is alluding to in our main test, test, uh, test, text, amen, is acts for the spirit. And all the other things shall be added. When you pray, do you pray for a dimension of the Holy Spirit that you don't have? Do you pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you in areas where you may be empty. Again, 1 Corinthians 12 and 4 through 11. These, there are diversities of gift, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but the same God who works in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to, uh, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. Another, the word of knowledge through the spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts, gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, working of miracles. Another, prophecy. To another, discerning spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit working all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And so let me ask you a question. When's the last time you asked for one of these? Say, God, give me the spirit of wisdom. God, give me the spirit of discernment. God, give me the spirit to be able to discern spirits and people. God, give me that because if I have that, I can navigate a whole lot better. Can you say amen? If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, have you asked God? God, fill me with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence. These things is what we cry and pray for, amen, because listen to me, God is saying in your prayer life, it is not to have build your kingdom of wealth in a sense, but what it is is to build your spiritual wealth. 
See, Jesus was telling his disciples, you cry out and I want to give you the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I've had people pray, say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I want this and I, and I need that. To, and it's amazing because they'll come back to me and say, you know what, Tim? You know, I had one, uh, one lady in particular. She's been looking for a job for at least three months. At least, you know how we are. We're like, we need, you need a job. You got to work. You got to do something with your life. This is getting crazy. You know, we, come on. We, we believe in God. We start fasting, all types of stuff. Nothing. And I'm like, Lord, okay. Like, are we all sinners? Like, what, what happened? Have you heard not in one of us? I mean, because she has children, various things. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot of whole other situations there. So we're like, you know, God, please bless her. Three months, nothing. Then all of a sudden, you know, she... She, but in the midst of those three months, God is dealing with her about certain issues internally. And in that waiting, because how I many know we get distracted by things? Can you say amen? We get distracted by jobs. We get distracted by all types of stuff. But in that waiting, there are no distractions. And so God is speaking to her. Amen. God is dealing with her about emotional things and about uh, uh, unforgiveness and various other things that she began to share with me. She's like, you know, in the midst of that, I learned something. And even there was one day in service that I, she, I, I looked over and God told me to tell her something. I was like, I don't want to tell her that. Like, That's personal, <laughs> you know. So I waited at the service. I was like, All right, you know, I'm going to tell. And I told it to her. And she started breaking down. And I was telling her, like, listen, God wants to help you. And listen to me. Now she, you know, she, she's gotten through those things and she's working through it, gotten stronger in the spirit. And now all of a sudden, now she went from not finding one to now having to decide between like five. Which one am I going to do? <laughs> she went from don't have nothing to which one should I choose? But in the midst of that, God was first dealing with her. You understand what I'm saying is that in the midst of these things, when we pray for things, God is, well, I heard your prayer. Amen. But, you know, we need to deal with this first. That's why I tell these young ladies, amen. Listen, you're praying for a husband. You better deal with your issues. See, it's always is I, I can tell when certain things hit people. because That's when we get real quiet. There's a quiet and then there's a real quiet. Here's the quiet. Hmm. Here's the real quiet. Right? Because we, we don't want to hear that. But it's true. Is that, you know what, if you're going to, God is going to deal with you about certain things. And so I've had, you know, young ladies praying, you know, God, I want to be married. I want, you know, I want to share my life. I want, and, and that's fine. But I keep telling them, listen, the more you pray that God is going to keep dealing with you until you become that wife before you become a wife. And the same thing with husbands. Like, I, you know, I, I didn't pray for her. I was like, I don't want to pray for a wife. I'm not praying for a wife. Lord, you're just going to have to drop her in my lap. I'm not praying for it because I already know. <laughs> and God still dealt with me. Like, I know you know. We're going to still deal with this. We're going to deal with your anger. We're going to deal with your rejection. We're going to deal with these issues that can become issues in your marriage. We're going to deal with these first. And then once you have been healed, once you have been made whole, it is there that then I can give you the gift that you've been asking for. So I want you to understand something that God is saying, you need more of me before you need more of the thing you're praying for, the material. And I would conclude to you tonight that we need to pray for the Holy Ghost. You know, when you start studying the Holy Ghost, you realize the Holy Ghost is at the center of everything. I mean, just there. You read Genesis 1, he's there. He's right there. 
I mean, the Holy just there. Can I ask you a question? What does your prayer life consist of? Does it consist of asking God for a whole lot of things? Or does it consist of asking God for him? God, help me through your grace, through your mercy. God, give me, let me see more of you. God, open my eyes to the things that I am blinded to about you. God, help me when I read your word, impute, download your word into my heart. Download your word into my mind, God. Let me have more of you so that way when I have more of you, I am strengthened. And in that strength, amen, I can begin to take on things that I was once fearful of because I have your word inside of me. Can you say amen? So what is the goal of prayer? The goal of prayer is to get closer to Christ. That's the goal. Again, I want to reiterate one thing, and I'm going to leave you alone. It's okay to ask for things. I don't want you leaving here going, I can't ask for nothing. <laughs> Car breakdown. I can't ask. I can't. He said, Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost. I want you to understand. Listen to me. Yes, our Father called. Listen to me. I had my sons. My sons, I'm going to leave you with this story. My sons are funny. They're, and as they grow older, they get funnier. Because now you start to see yourself in. So my oldest is me. I am convinced. I, I, you know, people try to, I say, no, we, we're very different. No, he's me. He is. And so that's why he probably annoys me the most, because it's me. And so if I'm like, man, this is how I acted? Man, if I was my mother, I would have killed me. Like, this, this dude here is funny. And then my youngest is my wife. Because he's the bad one. So that's you. No, I was just joking. I just joking. Don't tell her I said that. Don't tell her I said that. But my oldest, so, so. You ever had your children just not listen for a week? Anybody ever had that moment they just don't listen for a week? I don't know. What is it about the seven? They just don't listen to nothing. Hey, clean your room. Okay, go in the room. Dirty. Like, you know who you messing with? Like, you crazy? You see how big I am? You, look how small you are. I used to tell them, look how big I am. Look how small you are. You, there's something wrong with you to deal with somebody like me and think that I'm It's wrong. So this happened for seven days. So I said, you know what? Christmas is over for you. You will definitely be celebrating Jesus, and that's it. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? That is it. You will be singing some worship songs and writing a sermon, because that's all we're doing on Christmas. I don't care. I went off. I don't care. We ain't getting that. Nobody gets nothing around here.